Listen, we're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. Not a game. Not, a, not, not the game that I go out there and, and die for and play every game like it's my last. Not the game. We're talking about practice. Talking about practice, we're practicing right now. This is this is the firm of Rock of Nations with Dave Kinchin, where we practice the law of rock. <laughs> now, <laughs> 17 years ago that happened, the Allen Iverson practice press conference. No, I know this is not a sports podcast, but we're doing, we're talking about sports. Well, listen, we're going to talk about Queen 2, and Queen and sports go hand in hand, okay? So you... We got one of the producers here today. The other one took the day off. Just knock it off in there. All right. I am staying focused. I am too staying focused. All right. Uh, yeah. No, I heard that. And I said, we got to get that on the show. It's uh, 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 the 17th anniversary of that press conference. Practice. You know, you're not a game. Not a game. Practice. Right. Not, not a podcast. Not a radio. You want to talk about radio? No, no, no. Not a podcast. Or what else? Uh, not not rehearsal. No, you you want to talk about a tour? I'm I'm here trying to be the best rehearsed musician I can. You want to talk about a tour? Not a tour. Not a tour. Rehearsal, or the other way around. I I don't know. <laughs> uh, I know two photographers, two news photographers who were in that press conference when that happened. A legendary moment. I remember the anniversary, the 15th anniversary. Gosh, two, I can't believe 17 now. That's insane. Even a U.S. senator um, out of Connecticut tweeted that. <laughs> Even, I mean, even a U.S. Senator, uh, Senator Chris Murphy, I actually interviewed him during the Democratic National Convention. Uh, he uh, tweeted that out uh, 17, 17 years since practice. So it's it, we're talking they're talking about practice in the sports world, in the, in the world of politics and and here rock and roll as well. Hey, um, and there is a connection because we're talking about Queen and, you know, you always hear some of Queen's biggest songs in stadiums at sporting events. So did you know Queen is richer than the Queen? Um, they're uh, the royal ones, of course, Dr. Brian May, uh, Roger Taylor and uh, John Deacon, who we never see anymore. Uh, sadly, but is uh, still around somewhere. Um, they all added $33 million each to their uh, bank accounts, according to, well, this article is uh, RT.com, but it's also uh, quoting the uh, Sunday Times list um, that last year or so, and this is largely due to the success of Bohemian Rhapsody, of course, um, and the spike in the catalog and the sales and so many other people who had, had never, who never heard of Queen. Well, they heard of Queen, but they only knew the big songs really getting deep into their catalog. So Queen collectively is now worth $586 million. That's the U.S. Uh, conversion, 500, um, $586 million. Uh, Queen Elizabeth, her, her majesty is only worth $487 million only worth $487 million um, the queen is worth. So uh, that's kind of an interesting <laughs> little bit there. Um, so uh, great congratulations to queen and uh, better luck next time, queen. Uh, queen Elizabeth, she needs a hit song. Doesn't she know how to play guitar yet? I'm just kidding. Uh, what else going through the notes here? We saw something um, going through. Wait, okay, no. I wrote it on the back of this. Um, Robert Plant, uh, who is rock and roll royalty as well, will be uh, starting a tour in September. A lot of shows starting in like September or so, or he has, I think the, the bulk of the dates start in September, uh, including the Harvest Jazz and Blues Fest in Canada. 
Um, so uh, Robert Plant will be out. Uh, he has uh, an album, uh, The Fate of Nations. Uh, so he's out there with some new music and some touring. Also, uh, we're hearing that uh, um, there's going to be some new music uh, being put together for Leonard Skinner and Blackfoot. So that's pretty cool as well. So anyway, we're going to get into the, the, the big story here, of course, which is K.K. Downing. And uh, well, we, we talked with K.K. yesterday. I texted with him. We, we talked about that. But now a statement that uh, Richie Faulkner had put out. Uh, and that is, see what happens when you talk about practice. You bury the lead. Which means, which means what? What does that mean, folks? I need more practice. Practice, not a game. I need, I'm not ready for the game. I need more practice. Practice, I'm going to write that down right now, like Bart Simpson writing out I will something on the chalkboard. Practice, anyway, all right. Uh, I'm out of, I'm out of, my pen's not working now anyway. Great. I need more practice. I got to get another pen. Um, I need a pen, not, not a pencil. A pen, okay, fine. <laughs> Opening segment going too long again. All right. Uh, no, no, no. I'm kidding. So, yeah. Anyway, back to uh, the topic. Um, Richie Faulkner uh, sent out a statement on Twitter basically saying that, um, you know, refuting KK's claims that he and drummer Scott Travis are on a wage and are not full members of the band. So it's uh, getting heated again, ladies and gentlemen. And that is the next thing that we're going to be talking about. Um, well, yeah, the very next thing we're going to be talking about. Oh, we only went five minutes in the opening session. That's not bad. You know, that's pretty much what we try to do. The opening bell, whatever you want to call it, the opening segment. Um, so, yeah, some more Judas Priest uh, drama. Lawyers are involved with the, uh, the business side of things. Uh, KK talked about that in our text message exchange yesterday. So it all continues, folks, and we will sort it all out right here. Ah, yes, the strongly worded letter. There's nothing like the old SWL, as an old friend uh, used to call it. Um, or maybe I started calling it that, and we both called it that together. I don't know. Or in this case, not a strongly worded letter, but a strongly worded statement from Judas Priest guitarist Richie Faulkner to K.K. Downing, um, really without mentioning his name uh, anywhere that I saw in this, but clearly talking about him after uh, some... Strong words uh, that KK had with, uh, for, not for, but with, um, strong words that he delivered to uh, the Bleeding for Metal um, publication, bleedingformetal.de. Uh, this is out of Germany. Um, and uh, I'll just read into this first, and then we'll get into Richie's statement. We'll, we'll just kind of, um, not to bury the lead, but to bring everybody up to date. We'll do it that way. So, Bleeding for Metal, and the reporter is, um, or host, or commentator, as I see it here, is uh, Arsten Smolinski, I believe. Arsten Smolinski is how I think it's pronounced. Um, so, uh, Bleeding for Metal says uh, to KK, I know that the possibility of you rejoining Judas Priest now is not too likely. Nevertheless, I believe many fans would love to see a final stint of you with them, and so do I. How long do you think you would need to get back in a great performance shape. I remember Ian Hill, bass player of Judas Priest, saying in an interview that you would probably not be at the peak of your game now if you rejoined. And Downing said, at the time I quit the band, I had more energy than anyone else on stage. In fact, that is one of the reasons I quit. The band just seemed to have slowed down uh, to a steady walk 
even Richie Faulkner, of course, uh, Downing's replacement, would uh, do well to keep up with me if I rejoined. It seems wrong that Scott Ritchie and Andy Sneap, of course, the producer and uh, guitarist standing in for uh, Glenn Tipton, are not officially members of Judas Priest as they are on a wage. So only two members are on stage right now, and that would be Ian Hill and Rob Halford uh, from K.K. Downing's point of view. Yet they don't want me back. It shows the strength of the brand name Judas Priest that I spent 40 years being a part of. Uh, so an interesting remark there. Uh, and it prompted um, Richie Faulkner to fire back, saying he was not on a wage. Um, so Richie put this out on Twitter last night. He said, and this is a quote uh, from his statement, the strongly worded statement, um, regarding a recent untruthful article, I am not sure why anyone feels the need, uh, anyone feels they have the right to openly discuss others' financial standings, true or otherwise. This seems to be intended as a swipe at the band and an attempt to devalue my and Scott's position in the band. For the record, I have not been paid a wage since 2012 and have always been given creative input in this band since day one. This band of brothers have been nothing but a family to me and both band and management have always stated and demonstrated they want they wanted a band member. It's an honor to serve in the best heavy metal band in the world and give 1000% to the fans around the globe that have supported this band for 50 years. It's a shame that someone who's talking clearly about KK here. It's a shame that someone I held in such high regard feels the need to take these low roads when I've done absolutely nothing but give my absolute all to a position he left on his own accord. It's both uninformed, unfounded, unnecessary, and very unfortunate and disappointing. We've always stood firm not to get involved in internet clickbait, but I felt this crossed a line for me personally and wanted to set these untruths straight myself. So a clear statement there. Now, Richie's not somebody who really gets into the mud or gets into things. There was a bit of an exchange that he had. We talked about it on the show a few weeks back. Um, Joe Bonamassa had an exchange uh, with Richie, you know, uh, a back and forth um, there that really seemed to be much ado about nothing. Um, and, you know, ever since, really ever since... Um, Firepower, uh, right before that, KK had been, you know, he, he in the lead up to KK's book, he was putting out um, statements and uh, talking about, uh, you know, talking about why he left and all the reasons he left. He felt the band, he, like he said in the uh, Bleed for Metal, um, Bleeding for Metal publication, uh, he said, that, um, uh, you know, essentially the band did not have the energy. He talked about not having enough creative input, um, certain things going on with Glenn, uh, Glenn's drinking, according to KK, um, a, a whole bunch of issues. So I look at this and I, I think, okay, you know, I can understand both perspectives. Um, you know, I can understand Richie who has done an outstanding job. I mean, the guy, I remember staying up on, was it March 8th? I forget the exact day, but it was, I remember staying up waiting for um, 
firepower to drop online. And I listened to Spotify. I listened to all of the songs. And I remember the videos when they came on. I think I had the first comment on the video for um, Spectre. I think I had the first comment. I'm not sure. I, it has like, was it 5 million views now or something on that video? And I, I've been going, I've tried to go back and find my comment, but I, I think it's the first one, but I'm not quite sure. I have a screenshot of it somewhere. But I don't remember ever there being a time where I was looking forward to an album more. It's, it had been years, maybe a different kind of truth by Van Halen. I, I, it's been years since I was that jazzed and, and that, you know, practically ready to be the first in line for that album. You know, if it was the record store, I would have been the first. In, I would have been camping out. If this was, we had, what was it, Harmony House back in Michigan? We had Sam Goody was another one. The Tower, Tower Records was a big one, I think, out in Philly. Uh, certainly on South Street, which was about 10, that, that place was about 10 minutes from, maybe a 15-minute walk from our uh, broadcast site right now on Market Street. So, you know, I love what Richie's done, and he really did, you know, Rob and Glenn had said that Richie had breathed new life into the band, no question about it. Uh, and I'm absolutely uh, grateful for that. I think um, I just think you have to give great credit and uh, great respect for his talent and what he's done. Um, you know, Redeemer of Souls had an eclectic mix of sounds. The production wasn't great on that record, but the you know, Cold Blooded, um, you know, Halls of Valhalla. I mean, there are some really great songs on there. But Firepower is consistent in production, consistent in flow. And I like to think, you know, while sadly we lost KK, they had another member of the band come back, the sort of original uh, sixth priest member, and that was Tom Allen, who came back to produce the record, uh, along with Andy Sneap. Um, so I, I can understand that, you know, these guys, I mean, they, they're touring. You know, Rob sounds better than ever. Um, I saw them in Houston and, you know, Rob's screaming, you know, they're doing Saints in Hell, they're doing all these big songs and he's just, the voice is, is there every night, just like it was in his prime 30 years ago, you know, and he said, age is, age is just a number. <laughs> that sounds like a bad Paul McCartney impression. No, it sounds like a bad John Lennon impression. Anyway, um, he just said, you know, age is just a number and, and the crowd went nuts because it's true. I mean, it was, it was, it was awesome. I think he's having more fun. I think Rob is, you look at his Instagram, I think he's having more fun than he's had probably in the last 20 years of music. Maybe not, I don't know. It just seems like he's having a lot, a lot of fun and he's, this is his prime. And the band has never sounded better. Um, even though you do have a touring member or a guest filling in for Glenn. Um, but I can see how they want to be very internal and keep this all inside and focus on the tours because they're focusing on the fans. And they're still upholding the legacy that KK helped build, you know. So I can understand their frustration, Richie's frustration especially. Um, you know, Richie's a guy who did nothing to KK. Richie was complimentary of the entire history of the band. Richie, um, you know, he does look like KK, and I think a lot of people, you know, KK took issue with that. And I love KK too. I mean, look, I don't... I, I'm somebody, I'm, a, I'm you know, I, I'm a fan, you know, and the great thing about being fans is that, 
you know, we have a strong affinity for the bands we love and the groups we love. Um, as a journalist, you know, you try to take yourself, you, you try to focus just on the facts, which is, you know, what I did in, you know, with the exchange I had with KK. Um, but also talking about, you know, I mean, you know, there, there is a, you know their legends, and you know what they've done has withstood this, the test of time. You know the catalog has gotten better with age. You know that without Judas Priest, you can't imagine what metal would be like. So um, a lot of that's not even really just being a fan. It's being truthful. Um, so as fans, it's, it, it, it stinks that all of this kind of stuff is going on. Now, KK comes in from the perspective of the business angle, the Judas Priest, LTD, I think it is. I, I got to go back to uh, KK's text. Um, and I'll read those again, by the way, because uh, I had texted with KK uh, yesterday about all of this. So we'll get into that because his perspective really, uh, he's coming from the business side of this and control over the band and, and everything else. Um, and he said, um, he said, hi, David, I'm sorry to say that anything that is being said is misleading to all the media and the fans. Glenn, Rob, and Ian have set their lawyers on me trying to get me to relinquish my dict um, directorship of my 25% shareholding in Judas Priest Music LTD. So from this end, it's looking like they are still determined to shut me out forever. Amazing considering all of those songs I wrote and co-wrote with I and Ian never composed a single riff and he has the audacity uh to be a decider um on whether uh whether he plays in the band again it's what he's saying um and ian did we we talked about the, the interview with ian uh ian hill uh yesterday where he basically said it doesn't seem like it's hard to imagine kk coming into the band richie's in the band richie's there for the foreseeable future um but he also said, listen, never say never. So I think what you're dealing with is a situation where KK's upset because, you know, he's, he, he, there's no doubt he created, I mean, he's part of the, the most iconic, one of the most iconic guitar duos in history. I mean, he's up there with... Um, it goes beyond Murray and Smith and Iron Maiden, you know, the Wishbone Ash thing back and forth. I mean, but Judas Priest really co-invented that, but took that to a level that nobody, no other band had ever had it, and, and especially so successfully. Um, and KK is also a critical part of writing those songs. You know, 85% of Judas Priest music in any concert, at least maybe, maybe 78% minimum, but I'd say... 78 to 85 percent of the set list is going to be stuff that KK wrote and played on. So his his legacy is always going to be there. Now, I don't know. I mean, I guess the question is, and the, you know, you'll never get too privy with this kind of stuff because it's very business oriented. There's multi a multi million dollar. You know, I mean, I, I can't only imagine what the enterprise is worth. Um, Probably, I mean, I don't. I, I, it's an astronomical number, you would think. Uh, but you, you'd have to wonder what KK would want. I mean, he would want the band out there playing and doing great music. 
because it's good for the legacy. It's good, good for business for him. Um, but I think what really got him was, and he, you know, he wanted the call to come back. He clearly has a problem, I think, with Andy Sneap being there. And, you know, when you leave an organization, uh, I don't know, it's, I honestly can see, I, 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 there's a lot of it that I see on, on different sides. And, and again, I'm not trying to necessarily be neutral here. And I'm, and I'm also not trying to take sides. I just, I'm trying to sort of, in a stream of consciousness way, analyze this and lay it all out um, and say, okay, well, that makes sense. That makes sense. I mean, you know, this is KK's life, lifeblood, okay? You know, so I can totally understand, you know, him wanting to hold on to something he spent more than half of his life creating. I get that. I absolutely, co-creating, I totally get that. Um, KK was the driving force of Judas Priest in the early days. Everybody knows that too, all the diehard fans at least. That's why I wondered how hard it was... Um, by the way, I had, like, I don't know. <laughs> I had dinner before the show, and, and um, I'm trying to get the it's just, I'm trying to get the taste out of my mouth. <laughs> you know, it was really good, but it's like, it's, you know, you think, wow, that was a really good sandwich, but I need to really focus on the show here. Sorry, um, just an awkward tangent there. Uh, but you, so you, you have this situation where... Um, how does he, I mean, you get lawyers involved in, with lawyers involved in rock and roll bands. Things never, things are never easy. I mean, look at, you know, Kiss and, and the reunion mess and, and uh, Psycho Circus and, you know, some stuff that went on with Dave Mustaine and David Ellefson and Megadeth. And it's just, uh, you know, you get lawyers. And I mean, listen, most of, I have a lot of good friends who are lawyers, but lawyers in rock and roll it's it's almost worse than like corporate management and and rock and people in the band when you've got the people in the band who have their lawyers and their lawyers are going uh going at it with the people at the label or whatever or you know anyway or the business folks lawyers i don't even know if many of them play guitar either too busy hitting the books in law school um so you have you have a lot of sensitive elements to this all around. And I think that while I thought the best thing ever would have been KK coming back to step in for Glenn, it was Glenn who wanted Andy Sneap. It was Glenn who, according to Rob Halford, who said, you know, he wanted Andy Sneap to do it. And... Um, I don't know how often Glenn and KK talked since Glenn left the uh, since KK left the band uh, earlier in the decade. I also know uh, that you know to say all this stuff. You know, like Richie looks like me, uh, younger me, which he does. You know, is what KK would say. <laughs> Richie, they don't look like me, no. <laughs> I certainly don't look like them. But, you know, for KK to say, well, it looks like a clone up there. And he's, you know, except, you know, he's playing a V every now and then. And then if he really wants to play a Les Paul, just pay, play Les Pauls. I mean, you know, KK's been very, you know, he's definitely been critical. Um, you know, again, I, I don't necessarily think he 
does not have the right to be critical of some things as far as a band that he's built, um, you know, with those guys. But I also think, you know, Richie's just a, a really good guy who's trying to do his best. I mean, he, you know, Richie doesn't seem like somebody who really has an ego. Again, you know, the, the, the Bonamassa thing, I mean, all that, that stuff just really seemed like something minor, you know, and a minor little scrape up. But Richie seems like a really decent guy who, you know, is living his dream. He's a hell of a guitar player. Um, I mean, he, he does magic for that Les Paul, and when he plays the Black Explorer, he'll bring out an SG. He'll play whatever the hell he wants, and and he has the technique and a sound that makes those classic songs really rip and roar into a modern metal uh, audio identity. So you, you got it. I mean, I give the guy nothing but praise. I, I feel bad for him, too, because he's kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. Um I hated KK leaving the band, and and you know, so for me it was it was tough to see him go. I was really happy, you know, that Richie came in and kept things going, but I just hate the division. So, um, you know, it's a long ramble to basically say I can see a lot of different sides of this. I see Richie's perspective, you know, why is somebody talking about my money, you know, or what I make? Why is somebody talking? You know, I'm I'm a guy who writes music and plays in a band, and you know, why can't someone just value my contributions? At the same time, I see where KK is in the legal aspect of all of this and, and dealing with, you know, holding on to something he co-created. But when you leave the band, my only question is, what do you keep? I mean, if you're going to, you know, they can all outvote him anyway. Um, you know, I would think, he, you know, he's, it's sort of like, um, what was it, in KISS? Um, well... Ace got outvoted a bunch of times. I think was it was it Ace who got outvoted um, after Peter left? Um, there was something that happened where, I mean, at, at that point, because Eric Carr was new and was not a founding member, I'm not sure how much of a vote that he had. Rest in peace. But I do know that I mean, it was always going to be Gene. If, you know, Gene and Paul were a unit. Ace was going to be outvoted anyway. So you know, there is that sort of dynamic. Maybe that's a bad example, but there is that dynamic where um, where KK. Can, can conceivably be outvoted um, on whatever the band wants to do and, and driven by management, you know, Jane Andrews and crew. Uh, so in a way, you, I mean, you have to wonder, you know, what, what KK would have to gain by holding on. I mean, because it was the, um, the publishing that he had... Uh, uh, made a maneuver, a business maneuver in and relinquished a lot of that. Um, I forget the exact, uh, I think it was pretty much all of the material. Um, there's a breakdown somewhere. I got to go through my notes. Um, those are old notes. Um, he talks about it in his book. So it, it's a tough situation where there's sensible arguments on many different sides or at least, you know, several different sides, but um, certainly at least two different sides. Um, I mean, honestly, you, you've got you've got three different sides. You've got, it is several, because you have KK, you have the band, and then you have Richie as an individual who's just trying to do his thing. And Robert said, you know, uh, when KK left, that's where we left things. And, and he said there hadn't been any communication Rob Halford had said early on when the whole thing happened, um, you know, remember Rob felt compelled to make a statement 
um, you know, criticizing, you know, KK for what Rob thought was downplaying, uh, was the suggestion that Glenn did not play on firepower. That was kind of where all this started, really, because um, that was part of the same statement where KK said he was he was surprised that he was not asked to come back to the band he, he helped, um, that he co-founded. So there's been times where even Rob felt compelled to say some things and, and get out there, and that was, you know, somewhat unusual, maybe, I think. Um, uh, so it's, yeah, there's, there's, there's the collective side of the current members of Priest. There's the individuals who have their take on this, including Richie, obviously, you just heard from that statement. And, and then there's KK and management too. So there's, there's a collective side, but then there's several different individual sides to this too. I just, you know, I honestly love all these guys and I really just, I hate to see anybody go through this. I, I want the best for the band as it is. I would love to see KK come back someday, but I want the best for KK too because, uh, you know, I, I, I mean, he's a someone I've greatly admired as a performer. Um, and in and, and all of this, and all throughout all of this, as it was said by Ian and Rob, uh, the true defender of the faith, based on what he's going through, Mr. Glenn Tipton, with his Parkinson's battle, his brave, brave battle, is not surrendering by any means. He's in the studio and working on riffs and sorting through riff sequences. He's thinking ahead. And I think in many cases, that's where the band is moving ahead. So great credit and great, uh, you know, best wishes, especially to Glenn. Um, who's keeping it going and, and, you know, you have to respect that. Um, not much more you can say. So what can we do as fans? Well, we know what we can do. We can just crank up the priest, crank it loud, play it proud and unify. Um, you know, that's what you can really do when your favorite artists are going through something or there's drama or whatever. We have the music. We can always turn it on. We have the albums, the vinyl, whatever, you know, the digital. Play it. Honor the band that way. And, and, and I think that's true of any artist, you know. Um, honor the craft that they've given us, you know, um, support them when you can, and just hope and pray for the best, really, that's that's just about all you can do in a situation like this, you know, people have said, KK told me this, and, you know, it's like a relationship or a marriage, and sometimes things just run their course, um, you know, and, and then other times, you know, things get back together, uh, you know, this isn't the first band to go through something like that. Anyway, it's Rock of Nations with Dave Kinchin. We will be back before you know it. We are steaming on through the rock and roll week. And, uh, you know, we hope you have a great uh, day ahead. And we will, be ba- we will be back before you know it with more rock and roll adventures. Mm-hmm.